Production. Recorded live. Welcome to Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea. It is Thursday, February 12th, 2009. It is a season of love this Valentine's Week 2009. Open your heart, mind, body, and soul to the love within and around you today and every day in nature, others, and from the very core of your infinitely divine being. Evolution Revolution is focused on offering the listeners intuitive and balanced information that fosters transformation both personally and globally, ultimately raising the consciousness on planet Earth. I am a metaphysician, clairvoyant and clairaudient intuitive, writer, public speaker, PR and marketer, personal advisor to visionaries, leader, and spiritual teacher. Please explore more on my website at www.dulcineasdivinevision.com or at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. Thank you for joining the show this evening, wherever you may be listening. Tonight on Evolution Revolution, I am honored to have an appearance from Dr. Stephen Farmer, a shamanic, shamanic, shamanic practitioner, ordained minister, and former psychotherapist that offers workshops on various shamanic topics in addition to private consultations. Dr. Farmer is the author of the best-selling Animal Spirit Guides, Power Animal Oracle Cards, Messages from Your Animal Spirit Guides Oracle Cards, Power Animals, Sacred Ceremony, Messages from Your Animal Spirit Guides Guided Meditation CD, and his latest book release, Earth Magic, Ancient Shamanic Wisdom for Healing Yourself, Others, and the Planet, which was released the first of this month. Stephen is the host of his own radio show, The Shamanic Hotline, which can be heard each Wednesday from 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific Time at www.hayhouseradio.com. During the next hour, Stephen and I will delve into his wonderful new book, Earth Magic, Ancient Shamanic Wisdom for Healing Yourself, Others, and the Planet. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you for joining me on Evolution Revolution this evening. It's an honor to have you join us. Well, thank you, Dulcinea. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to, the, uh, to seeing what our conversation brings. Great. So what was your early experience of Earth Magic in Big Sur, California, amongst the trees that led you to become aware of your ability to harness the energy of the earth and heal yourself? Wow, it's, um, that's a good question, and I'm not sure if I can pinpoint a, an exact start to all this. I think there were certainly, as for many people, spiritual seekers, uh, whatever path they've found, often there's been, in retrospect, you can look back on the various steps. And if I think of the earliest experience, I think of actually go back to childhood and think of how much more connected to the natural world I felt. And that's, to me, part of Earth magic, uh, to watch the groundhogs running from their from hole to hole, you know, over in the, the local park to going down to this place in Iowa where I lived and grew up called Prairie Crick. We didn't have creeks. We had cricks. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, in uh, a specific experience, um, I, I might qualify this and say that in um, anyone who is um, pulled or drawn to shamanic practice or shamanism typically will go through uh, at least one initiation, perhaps more than one initiation. And there's various ways that these initiations can occur. Uh, for instance, I did... Uh, uh, recall when I was probably only four to six months of age, I was doing some work with a shamanic colleague of me of of having died and gone to the light and being told by this figure who was at the other side three times, not yet, you know, I wanted out. Um, I look in retrospect at that as a, an initiation. What happened in Big Sur, though, Dulcinea, was, was I, I would say, just phenomenal. Um, a friend and I had taken a four days to go backpacking and Big Sur or what's known as technically as the Ventana Wilderness near the city of Big Sur uh, is a lot of hills and, and valleys and we ended up after the third day going up on the mountain and it's called Cone, C-O-N-E, Cone Peak and there um, I had uh, basically met uh, my teacher who uh, has a particular name that has a certain sound to it that I don't say publicly. It's just between me and him, basically. But I refer to him as grandfather because that's a 
status of anyone who's elderly, and this this ancestor certainly is elderly. He's been around about twenty five thousand years. So I end up uh, that that night on the mountain, Cone Peak, with my friend, uh, my dear longtime friend, uh, Bruce Bellman, um, having just this amazing experience of conversations with grandfather. And he taught me a, a, a great deal. He busted me on some of my defenses and my hesitation to follow this shamanic path. And i got to say, I came down from that mountain. I'm not sure I could have said it at the time, but I came down from that mountain uh, definitely changed and definitely clearer about my path. And it was, a, you know, it was one initiation of about four, not about, but four initiations I've had. But it was... Um, was significant because it really launched me onto this shamanic path. That was about 15 years ago. So with that defining moment, how did you then take that wisdom and that experience and capture that and bring it into your psychotherapy with your daily routine and clients? Uh, that's good. That's a good question, too. Um, I was at that time, actually, 15 years ago, as you know from my, biogra- my biographical information, I was a psychotherapist actually um, had a practice up until about seven or eight years ago when I uh, formally retired. Um, it was a delicate um, a delicate uh, line to walk, Dulcinea, because uh, as it, it's true in any state, really, there's typically rules and regulations and ethics, et cetera, about how you can do your practice, what you can, what you can't do. And, you know, they're broad enough that I think someone, uh, um, let's put it this way, I, I I trusted my ethics and how I dealt with my clients. So I didn't come back and, you know, teach everybody about shamanic practice or tell everybody about my experience. I just slowly allowed that to integrate into the um, into the therapeutic setting. Uh, one of the places, I've done a lot of uh, men's groups, both as a facilitator and as a participant. And you can't be just a facilitator in a men's group, I'll tell you that. But um, mm-hmm. in this one particular men's group, I would bring uh, some of the shamanic practices that I had begun to uh, take a closer look at and really focus in on and, and discovered that this was my spiritual path through various trainings that I'd been in. Um, I would bring ceremony into this men's group. We did, uh, for instance, we uh, we left the facility. We agreed to meet instead of 7 to 9 or 7 to 8.30 when the group was to meet, we agreed to meet earlier on a Saturday, and we went off um, nearby in uh, a less, much less populous area here near Laguna Beach, out into the uh, hills that aren't too far from here, and did a did a really very um, powerful ceremony as a group in in burying the what I would call the shadow mother, and what that is is that we we whether we know it or not, even though the there's one physical mother, there's typically two that we have grown up with the good mother and the bad mother. And it, it really is all one person, and it's a lot of our own projections, but um, we carry that with us. And I think it was important for this group of men to be able to let go of that shadow mother, the one that haunts us, and to make that, that um, cut the umbilical cord, so to speak, the energetic cord, to that aspect of mother. Not mother altogether, not mother physically, but again, what I'm calling the shadow mother. We had this beautiful ceremony, and it's just amazing what I've seen men, how, how men are so capable of of tuning into um, this path that, that, has, uh, that works so much with the natural world and the earth spirits that are in the natural world, as well as the celestial spirits. So that was a really a turning point for you in your career, then both, both personally and professionally. Yeah, I think uh, many of us, and probably yourself, Dulcinea, you can look back and go, oh, okay, now this makes sense. You know, this this turn, this twist in my life, I can see where, um, oh, even relationships that I've had that are, are gone now, I can see where there was a, a real purpose for them. And then, and then you move on, then you meet somebody else, and you go into another relationship, or more generally, um, casual relationships or friendships even that they they serve this purpose and I look back at my life and I go yeah you know it was I tried this spiritual path and then that worked for a while for about four years and then I try another one and I got something Mm -hmm. from that and then I tried another one I got something from that then when I discovered shamanism and shamanic practice I went oh wow this is it 
and I think largely, uh, although amongst many things that appealed to me about shamanic practice, and I describe a lot of these in my new book, Earth Magic, um, the subtitle being Ancient Shamanic Wisdom for Healing Yourself, Others, and the Planet. I'm sure we'll get into that later, but basically I, I, I really found that sh um, shamanic practice really was tuned in much more to the earth and the natural world. And I, uh, somebody asked me in another interview, well, what would be, uh, if you could decree what the spiritual path would be for everybody, which is really a silly question, but she asked me, what would it be? And I said, well, shamanism, of course, because it, it, it in a sense, forces you to be attuned to the natural world in, in that much greater degree. That's one of the things that I, I truly enjoy about shamanism and shamanic practice and in, in this uh, way that I've labeled it earth magic because it's these amazing when you start to work with the earth and earth spirits these amazing thing, miracles happen every day yes and you know on that point i think that in earth magic you do a great job of really recognizing that we all are a shaman within and you allow each of us to grab that at our own vibration our own frequency if you will with very straightforward, practical information that can expand each individual within their own awareness, which is really phenomenal. Well, so that was a, a great element in, in the book. Yeah, it is. A, in, in that sense, yes, everybody, everybody has an inner shaman, whether that's your particular path or not, but there's aspects of shamanism that you can certainly integrate into your spiritual practice no matter what. And I maintain that you don't have to be, uh, uh, certainly don't have to be a shaman. That takes years of study and typically a mentor or, uh, someone that will teach you in the ways that gives you a structure for that shamanic practice. Uh, uh, to truly be a shaman, I, I've maintained this in the book too, is go and study with somebody that is a shaman in, in an indigenous community and uh, work with them a few years, and then, you know, you might be called a shaman. But it's not yeah. up to the, it's really not up to the, and I'm, I'm diverting from the question, but uh, it's not up to the individual to say, I'm a shaman. It really turns out that the community will identify that person that is capable of doing this. But many of us can do shamanic practice. That's, that's Certainly. right there. Yeah, yeah. Any, uh, what, and you can integrate those elements, as I was saying, with whatever your particular spiritual path is. It's not the path of a mystic. It's the path of the healer. And uh, when, you're, when you are a healer, and that's been my basic purpose in life, is to be a healer. I, I, I know from age 13 I was <laughs> counseling my parents on their marriage. And how messed up they were. Any wisdom. There's a bit of destiny, I think, involved in, in, in that story when you start that young, you know, doing some sort of uh, uh, healing. So, and, then, and it's just naturally gone from psychotherapy to shamanism. And I think the model that I would describe what I do is uh, psychoshamanic work, you know, psychological and shamanic work combined from my many years of practice as a psychotherapist. It's really quite a, quite an interesting um, service to offer, and I and I do offer that in private consultations. I do that offer offer that in some of the workshops that I do, um, where I really uh, try to oh gosh, how would I say, um, do what I do, which is is offer teaching and healing. That's what I, I'm a teacher healer, and it happens to be this particular form, and it's going to be that way the rest of my life. That was very exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's quite. It's a you know, it's a fun path. You know, it has its challenges. I can't say that you know life is smooth just because you know I know some of this shamanic stuff. Um, but uh, I think that that it makes the to me it makes the challenges like one of the uh, it makes the challenges easier to to face and confront and deal with. One of the fundamentals of any shamanic practice, again, whether you think of yourself as a shamanic practitioner or uh, you are considered to be an actual shaman. The fundamental core that's in nearly every shamanic practice universally throughout the world is what's called the shamanic journey. It's not really meditation. It really is a journey. You could say that what, what a journey is is through drumming, dancing, chanting, with intention, you transport your consciousness or someone say your soul into this aspect of the spirit world that is called non-ordinary reality. And in non-ordinary reality, there you seek help from the spirit guides that are there. 
and they can be both animal spirit guides as well as human-looking spirit guides, as well as angelic spirit guides, uh, archangels, etc. And then once you've consulted with these spirit guides, that you, over a period of time, of course, you develop a, a relationship with them, just like a relationship with friends here on Earth. But this is, of course, a different kind of relationship in that they're non-material beings, ancestors. Um, and by by when you um, uh, do this kind of a journey and consult with those teachers on the other side, those spirit, spirit helpers, then you bring that information back and you bring it into your community or for the individual that's before you. And um, often what, it, what you do, uh, the whole thing could, uh, let me say it this way, I'm sorry, I'm trying to say two things at once here. Um, you might bring it back in the form of a sacred ceremony, for instance to involve the community in a sacred ceremony, which could be a, a family, it could be a, a tribe, uh, it might be your clan, whatever it may be. But that's the whole, that's, that's one of the underpinnings and one of the um, tools, the primary tool in all shamanic cultures is the shamanic journey, whether it's done through dancing, singing, chanting, or whatever. And that, that dancing, singing, drumming, chanting, etc. All of those are de designed to, to put you into an altered state so that you can send your consciousness into this alternate reality. So that is a very fantastic summary of the primary universal characteristic of, the sh of a shaman that you offer in Earth Magic. And you mentioned three other universal characteristics that also... Um, are relevant to shaman. Would you like to overview those so people have a good fundamental idea of what your wor your working terminology is? Yeah, certainly. Um, as I said, the the most fundamental and primary one is going to be uh, the ability to do the shamanic journey. Uh, what I'm seeing today is that um, a lot of people are learning how to journey. I'm also seeing a lot of people. Well, I won't say a lot of people, but um, what I find is, is that the term itself has lost a bit of meaning. And, and part of my mission, I feel, the, the term shaman, part of my mission in uh, you know, doing workshops and shows like this is to sort of s uh, set the record straight, if you will, that it, it isn't about going to a weekend workshop. It isn't about um, uh, you know, just learning how to journey, that it really takes some uh, development. It's a developmental process. It's going to take... Uh, uh, you know, a good three, four years, uh, I think, before someone um, someone uh, uh, really can feel confident in journeying and they've developed the relationships with their their helping spirits on the other side. Um, the other, the se a second element that's important in shamanic practice is the element of service. That you're doing this to be of service. And I think that's one of the focuses that's uh, absolutely essential is that uh, we see this uh, shamanic uh, practice as a service. I think when, when we see it that way, it's, um, it, it makes it work. <laughs> it makes it work. Mm -hmm. um, a third element of um, shamanism is, um, how would I put it, I guess, just not, uh, is to be able to discern between what's ego-driven and what comes from spirit. And that, I think, again, takes a, a certain amount of time. Um, a lot of uh, I, my experience with um, shamanism, as I'm sure it's true with other kinds of practices, but is uh, uh, my two rules of thumb are show up and get then get out of the way. <laughs> so I think that a lot of people say, well, uh, well, I won't say a lot of people, but some people will say, well, you know, it's not me doing the work. Well, yeah, we know what you mean by that when you say it's not you. But it is. Um, it t you took you, you took the time to get here. You did the studies to learn about uh, uh, sh shamanic practice or shamanism. You know, you you can take some credit for for doing the work. But yeah, it's that's the show up part. You know, our physical body, our mind, our hearts, um, everything has to show up and be present completely in order to um, in order to uh, do do the work. But then, of course, spirit takes over from there, or we. Let's make, put it more accurately. We allow spirit. Nice. That's very well put. So just really that willingness to be the conduit. Yeah. And again, that's true in so many things. Uh, kind of channeling. Uh, I'm sure the work that you do, Dulcinea, requires you to um, 
just allow spirit to work through you. Certainly. I can relate to the phrase show up and be present. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, yes. uh, you know, sometimes that's a challenge. But, um, again, I find when you, with practice over the years of doing the journey, uh, doing dance, you know, doing the workshops, things like that, that you know, it just gets it gets easier to go there. Whereas maybe um, a few years back when I first learned the journey, it would um, I find I would be thinking about this, my mind would get in the way about that, and then um, it would take a while to get refocused, if you will, and bring myself back into that zone where I'm traveling in non-ordinary reality. Uh, it just takes it just takes a while. It just takes a while. It takes some practice and takes some dedication. It's definitely a process. And in in the book Earth Magic, you do a great job of leading an individual through that process in the organization of the book. You okay. um, break it into three parts. Yeah, there's part there's uh, part one, which is uh, um, you could say an overview, and then certainly there's part two, which is. Um, where we get into some more of the, the nitty-gritty of earth, what I call earth magic. And then part three is um, healing processes, and it, as the subtitle suggests, ancient shamanic wisdom for healing yourself, others, and the planet. So there's actually some, you could say, section three is about applying earth magic and how you go about applying earth magic to your benefit as well as the benefit of others. And again, I come back to this, uh, it's such a critical idea of um, service. Uh, there's even uh, one of the things I enjoy is there's some specific ideas about what you can do to help the earth. It's our help, you know, not only our prayers but our actions. Yes, that well-rounded balance that we're all connected and if we help ourselves, we help earth. If we help earth, we help ourselves. Yes, exactly. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's nice to uh, see what is happening uh, in the world today and what's happening to human beings. I think that uh, human beings are, you know, we're remarkably innovative. Um, so I think I, there's signs that things are changing. You know, it's not just not just about putting compact fluorescent bulbs or recycling this or that. That's part of it. But it's much bigger than that. It's really honoring the earth and being able to go out and put your toes in the dirt and say, thank you, Earth Mother, for all that you give me, for sustaining my life, for bringing me food. Uh, for feeding my soul and being able to make those kind of prayers of gratitude with uh, the deepest passionate sense you have of of being thankful for just this existence. We live in a beautiful, beautiful world, and, and in spite of uh, criticisms about this or that or what we've done with this, this wonderful planet, yeah, you know, our ancestors and ourselves too, you know, we've we've created a this thing called civilization that has all these wonderful things like turning lights on at night and turning air conditioning on or or the heater on in the cold but there's been a cost to that and i think we're beginning to face you know we're not beginning we are facing the cost and on a more individual or personal level is that we we were dissociated in so many ways from the natural world and that's part of my mission dulcinea in writings and teachings and workshops is to do what I can, certainly for myself, but also for anybody who comes in contact with my work, is is to encourage that uh, a greater appreciation of this this amazing planet. You know, this little speck of dust out in the middle of uh, God knows how many universes. You know, that sustains our life. Uh, it's it's really really important. Perhaps that's number one is just to express gratitude to Earth Mother in in any ways you can, both through prayer, but certainly through action you know take a trash bag out and pick up trash on the you know in the park or on the uh, at the beach you know just even little acts like that little acts that that contribute to sustaining her beauty and she likes to be appreciated you know what woman doesn't i guess it comes down to what person does and what man does oh, it, but you know just that's, go ahead yeah, that's. I think that's so important, and and uh, the point that you make um, throughout the book is really that if we begin with looking within ourselves and respecting ourselves, and then we look around us at the wonder and the nature that we are infinitely a part of, we can then begin to respect it in a new way and respect ourselves in a new way, creating a win-win. Yeah, and I I'm thinking also since we've been talking about. Uh, shamanism um, 
and I said, well, one of the fundamental tools uh, cross-culturally is the shamanic journey. But I, I want to also comment on what I, I think a lot of us um, really don't realize what the, the even fundamental role or that the shaman held in the community. Um, typically, we think of shamanism as doing this uh, kind of healing, you know, rattling and drumming and such, and certainly those are elements of it, but that's just really the surface of it. Um, in most, if not all, shamanic cultures, the shaman's role, whether he or she, I'm going to use he, but it's he or she, man or woman, the shaman's role really was very fundamentally to maintain the balance between the human community and the natural world. And his job really is to, to monitor that and to mediate it. When I say mediate it, mediate it it's, it's believed that when uh, humans are out of balance, typically by taking more from the natural world than they get, have given back, how that is reflected in the human community is by illness. In other words, um, when someone, let's say, or, or a few people in the tribe or the community show up sick, uh, the, first, the shaman will first suspect that, okay, something's out of kilter here. Something is out of balance. Then his next job is to go find out what that imbalance is about. What's the cause of that imbalance? And the way that he does it is through the shamanic journey. He goes and asks his spirit helpers, well, what's going on here? You know, what's out of balance? And then certainly the next thing is, well, what can we do about this? And then he brings this information back to the community, and then he does maybe specific actions with uh, the community and or the if it's an individual who is sick, he'll take specific actions using herbs, uh, what he's been told to do. Um, he may do some chanting. He might do some hands-on healing. Um, whatever it takes to, to um, cure, and I want to stress this, cure that individual. Um, and it's not just curing the individual, though, but it's addressing and redressing the imbalance between the human community and the natural world. So it may mean that um, there has to be, um, oh, uh, they, he may be assigned or assigned someone in the community that has to take an offering up on the mountain, for instance give it to the god or the god, uh, gods or the goddesses of the mountain. And um, by doing so, then it, you could say the gods are pleased. And so then they bring back that balance. It brings back that balance, and in turn, it brings back full health to the human community. To me, that's fascinating. It's like, well, take a look at the larger picture here of what's going on and how much illness there is in the human, the large global human community. And uh, it's because things are out of balance. <laughs> so that's where that idea of the inner shaman comes in, is that uh, uh, we can all look and say, hey, how can we help address this balance, and how can we do, what can we do to correct it? We've got a long haul ahead of us to correct it. You know, don't get me wrong. It's, it's going to be generations to correct the imbalance. But the good news is I think we're starting to do that, Dulcinea, and I'm just tickled about that. Yes, and your contribution with the fascinating book, Earth Magic, Ancient Shamanic Wisdom for Healing Yourself, Others, and the Planet is one step or one contribution to that larger vision. Well, again, thank you. You're so complimentary to the book. I'm happy with the book. It's got so, a lot of good information in it. And it's, um, you know, the uh, qualifi I, I qualify this by saying, again, you don't need to be interested in having a shamanic practice. Or certainly, you know, any ambition to be a shaman is, as I said earlier, is uh, not how you do it. It's just to be ambitious and to go do a weekend workshop. You know, and to be a truly be a shaman, you need to be uh, mentored by someone in an indigenous community of some sort, or by an indigenous individual. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm I'm real happy with it. There's some. Um, just I'm trying to think of what else. There's so much in it. There's a there's so much. You know what I one one of the main points I'd like to make that I want on the the point that you just said that you don't have to want to you know take a full throttle shamanic path to embrace the book. And I really want to reiterate that to our audience in the sense if you feel some need to serve an intention to heal yourself to heal others, which I find in my service 
that that is what every human being really truly desires from their core is to contribute uh, service in a in a way that manifests for the higher good of all. Right. And this book offers so many different tools from storytelling and dancing and chanting and singing and ceremonies and emotional release and soul integration and connecting with nature and the bigger perspective, um, multiple multiple dimensions using the multiple realms to really uh, solidify your own intuition and information. So this book, Earth Magic, is very well-rounded and is I find a very valuable tool for many people because there's inkling of so many so many different facets of information. It's inevitable that it will ring true on one page or another. Yeah, it, it's not the kind of book I've been telling uh, people when uh, it, I've given it to some uh, friends, and I say it's not the kind of book you sit down and read straight through. You know, you read, absorb, read, absorb, etc. It's also not the kind of the book uh, where you jump to Section 3 where the exercises are. You certainly, uh-huh. you certainly can do that, but I strongly advise, you know, is at least peruse the, the first two sections so, because I think that allows you to be that much more grounded when you do go and, and try try some of these exercises. Like there's some in there that anybody can do. You know, it doesn't matter if you've ever even heard the word shamanism or shamanic. And then there's some that are more intermediate. What I'd suggest, oh, you have some finesse, if you will, with spirit world. <laughs> and then there's others where I provide a, a caution, say, hey, get some training before you try this. Um, I'll give you, a, for instance, one of uh, a shamanic initiation um, is to go uh, journey. And again, you have to be fairly well, well, quite well versed in journeying to do this, what I'm about to describe. Second is I'd say don't tr- don't even try this you know for the first couple of years if you if you start studying and working with shamanic practices. So given those qualifiers, if you um, fit the bill, what you can do is you can do what's called um, journeying to the point after death. Excuse me, excuse me, not that one, but you're you're, you're going to be asked to be dismembered. Now that sounds pretty horrendous, just the word and uh, maybe strikes fear. <laughs> That's why I say it's a more advanced process. It's not one that you do after journeying two or three times. And it's going to sound a little weird to our culture, but um, it's not um, unfamiliar to shamanic cultures. What you do is you journey into non-ordinary reality, and there you ask a spirit helper to basically dismember you. Um, and that. Having done that a couple of times, it's quite life-changing. That's why I call it an initiation. And it is used in various cultures as a shamanic initiation. Of course, not literal, but um, whether it's a metaphor or a living metaphor, metaphors are stories for the soul, and the soul, they're just as legitimate a reality as stories about going downtown and going shopping (laughs) at the local store. Just as real is what I'm trying to say. So then what happens after you've been dismembered, um, then you ask your spirit helpers to put you back together. And that's what they do is they put you back together. I remember one uh, of these dismemberments where I was, interestingly enough, the opposite of dismember is remember, put back together in a different way, is I was given, uh, all the exact details, I write all this stuff up, but I haven't looked at it lately, but I was given the the eye of the lion, I was given the strength of the bear, you know, certain things that were contributed by these um, spirit animals that, um, such that I was put back together in a different way. And uh, again, looking back on these experiences, every time I've done something like this or an initiation like this, my life changes, you know, and I'm drawn or uh, sometimes kicking and screaming, but drawn, pulled, or otherwise jump into another cycle of my life, you know, where things are a little different, uh, structures are a little different, and my understanding and awareness is a little bit different. Kind of a lengthy explanation, but I'm, what I'm saying about that is that these exercises in the book are powerful. Um, I would suggest read the first couple of sections of Earth Magic first, and then, yeah, check out the exercises. You can also look at some of my other books. The whole the Animal Spirit Guides book is a lot of fun as well as the oracle cards that I have, which are um, 
One is called the Power Animal Oracle Cards, and the other one is called Messages from Your Animal Spirit Guides. I find that children love them. They love to look at the pictures and the images. Uh, but even more importantly, these cards, they, they, they will help you out. Um, you can draw a card a day. You can do readings for yourself and others once you practice. I, I personally love the Power Animal Oracle cards. I use Thank them. You. I've used them for probably a couple of years. I don't know, some, yeah, at least a couple of years I've had them here. And I was when I was reading the book, what I thought was really cool or fascinating for me was I was reading Earth Magic, and then you were discussing connecting with the animal spirits and the plant spirits and the spirits of the elements and the celestial spirits. Yeah. And of course, I have like all the mermaid cards and all the angel cards, and all you know, I'm 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 loaded over here with all these fun tools. <laughs> but they're great tools, you know. And I, the thing I like about the the power animals and the messages, and uh, there's also Jamie Sams and David Carson's uh, deck that's been around a while called Medicine Cards, and I'm I'm happy to say I, I like that one too, and I'd used that for a number of years. Then I made my own decks, but um, they. The, again, these tools, these books, and and workshops and things that I do in the per, private consultations, they all it 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 leads us to consider and think more about the world. Like for instance, the power animals cards. You know, yeah, they're great messengers, and there's a in these cards. There's a lot they they have they've come through these cards with these messages, and and I've had amazing experiences using them, uh, and then finding uh, let's say I draw I don't know someone like kangaroo which is actually in that deck. And I go, kangaroo, that's interesting. And it says here, okay, um, be grateful. Okay, focus on gratitude, I think is what it says. I didn't draw the card. I'm just thinking, remembering it. And it says focus on gratitude. So I focus on gratitude. And then I go to the store, and I'm just walking around, and there's a couple of people talking over in the corner, and I pass them by. And what do I hear? Kangaroo. They're talking about kangaroos. Wow, <laughs> what a coincidence, you know. But no, it's more than a coincidence from the soul side. It is a confirmation that that card I drew, kangaroo, is like uh, now has an exclamation point behind the message, which is focus on gratitude. Yes, there's validation and divine synchronicity that you are listening and the messages are pouring forth. <laughs> and that is, to me, that's another way to see it is it's earth magic. Absolutely, it's very those. exciting. <laughs> yeah, we miss those miracles, you know, and that's that's the other. Um, um, you'd ask me about, um, and I, I think I left one off. You said, "What are the four characteristics?" Yes, the fourth one we hadn't mentioned yet. Yeah, the fourth one is, I, I, I would say, <laughs> well, probably very bluntly, I'd say creating miracles, and probably more accurately, co-creating miracles. Um, I think that's that's the magic of the and the wizardry, if you will, of earth magic is that as you develop this relationship, this different, this fuller relationship with the natural world through whatever means, um, you start to see how the natural world and the spirits of this natural world really want to help us out, want to work with us. A lot of times the way they work with us, and one of the most common ways that people really tune into is through the spirit animals. When I see an animal, this is the simple, um, straightforward, and honest and truthful way that you can get messages from our animal brothers and sisters, or more accurately, the spirit of our animal brothers and sisters. And that is, if you see an animal in an unusual way or repeatedly in a short space of time. Whether that animal is the physical animal, like the ones you might commonly see, birds uh, such as crow or a crow, um, lizards that are crawling on the ground, uh, what might you see might see a fox, you know, if you're walking in the forest, ones that you might see. It can be the physical animal or it can be a symbol of the animal. What I mean by a symbol is, Oh, let's say you wake up and you go, wow, that was an amazing dream about a lion. That's a symbol. Or if you hear somebody talking about that animal, that's a symbol. It's an auditory symbol. And uh, the dream, of course, is a visual symbol. Um, whether you, If you see that, that animal in the physical form or symbolic form in an unusual way or repeatedly, what's happening is this, is the spirit, great, you could say great spirit, if you will, is focused and funneled in on the spirit 
of that entire species. That is powerful, Dulcinea. In other yes, words, very powerful. <laughs> walk out in the backyard and just looking around, enjoying, you know, the relatively warm weather as spring approaches. And sure enough, a little hummingbird comes and, and just floats in front of your face, as hummingbirds do, foot and a half, two feet away. That's, I would say, unusual. I brought this up in a workshop one time, and somebody said, well, you know, that's what, what's going on is the hummingbird, it's a female hummingbird, she's protecting her eggs. And I want, you know, I thought, you know, that's probably true. I didn't think about that. That's probably true. But that's boring. <laughs> Where's the magic in that? <laughs> yeah, the magic in that. Okay, that's. I mean, that's kind of cool that she can do that and flip. You know, but what's definitely more logical. <laughs> more magical is well, little hummingbird. What's your message? And a lot of times, what you can do is you can just simply get. I call them. You get a hit. You might close your eyes, take a deep breath, and say, "Okay, spirit of hummingbird, what's your message?" And then Dulcinea, whatever whatever happens right after you've asked, is your message. And that could yes. come through images that show up in your mind or your your attention. You open your eyes, your attention's drawn to something. Say it looks like a license plate that says B K I N D, you know, be kind, for instance. Mm -hmm. uh, or it, or you might get messages like a, a, the way I describe them is like little whispers in your ear. You know, very short sentences typically. Those messages may come through audit uh, through auditory means. Um, Another way they can come through is just a feeling. A lot of people say, "Well, I just have a feeling," and um, and then a fourth way is a thought. You get a just a thought in your head that is again typically very short. Whatever happens after you've asked, what's the message? Can come through in any of those four ways: visual, auditory, what I call kinesthetic, which means feeling or or even sensations in your body, or cognitive is number four, and that's thought. So any uh, that those messages will come through anyway, and that's when the richness begins to open up. Is when you you experiment with this, and that's what I encourage people to do. I don't pretend that. So I have to share a story because it just resonates yeah, with what you've just please. shared. So Monday evening, I ran over to my mom's house right after dinner time, and she had some stuff she wanted to share with me. So I ran over there, and I opened the. There's a gate that's about probably 10 feet in front of her front door. So I open it, and a hummingbird just starts just dodging me. It's just coming at me. And there was a whole experience we had two years ago. My grandma died two years ago Monday. Well, that's ironic. I guess I didn't even put that together. But wow. two years ago Monday. And right when she died, there was a knock on the door. And two days later, a hummingbird's nest put itself at the front door. Yeah. yeah. So there she was this past Monday, just a couple of days ago, just flying at me, flying at me. Well, I found her new nest. This little hummingbird created a new nest. Uh -huh. And I thought, oh, she's so cool. She's in, into a new journey in her spiritual realm, and she's telling me that she's moved on. She's like in a new classroom in the spirit she's world. Grandma. Yes, yes. Yeah, and yeah. I thought, oh, that is so cool. So the message was just a linking with her. So right before we did the show, I meditated this evening, and then I got the Power Animal Oracle cards, and I drew one, and I drew the hummingbird. <laughs> yeah, again, I, I get chills when you say that, and I never get tired of hearing stories like that because that is a great story about the magic. Yes. <laughs> and it's a, you touched on another um, uh, piece, if you will, of Animal Spirit Guides, and that's that our deceased loved ones, who anybody that dies before us, we can call an ancestor. They don't even have to be older, but we certainly would think of a grandmother certainly as an elder and an, now an ancestor um, uh, has come to you. Or you could say that she sent a courier in the form of this hummingbird, and the message that came through was coming from gra your grandmother through this hummingbird. And just like yes. put together, oh, it's two years. Oh, Okay, <laughs> and that's just absolutely beautiful. I, yes. I'll, I'll swap a story here with you. Of, of, uh, Please. Hawk Brother, um, Hawk Spirit has been, um, oh, he roams uh, quite a bit with me, and, and I get very powerful messages from uh, Brother Hawk. When I go do my own radio show on uh, Hay House Radio, I yes. always yes. call on Hawk because Hawk is, serves as a messenger. He kind of uh, sort of flies back and forth between me and the person that I'm reading. 
Anyway, I, I was dealing with some uh, critical situations in my life here a couple weeks ago, actually just last week, and I was faced with a, oh gosh, a, um, a troublesome uh, meeting that I had uh, coming up in about three days. And, you know, I'd go in and out of worrying, and I, I really don't like to waste my time worrying. It doesn't do a whole lot of good anyway. <laughs> so I worry sometimes. I don't mind being concerned, but I don't like to worry. Worry implies a certain obsessiveness. Anyway, I was I was obsessing about this upcoming meeting two, three days. I was, and I walked out, and I was taking the trash out. So I was outside, and I hear this very distinct, identifiable screech, and it's a hawk. And I look up, and there's this beautiful red-tailed hawk flying directly over me, screeching, screeching. Yes. You know, one one call or calling more accurately, because that's what he, yes. his spirit told me is that he's calling for his mate. You know, the back of his mate. Yes. But I did just what, like you you did with hummingbird, your the hummingbird visitation. And what I'm suggesting here is, I closed my eyes, and I said, "Okay, hawk brother, what do you have to tell me?" Um, and what I heard very distinctly hadn't been thinking about, even though I'm a musician and a songwriter, I, I I wasn't thinking about this particular song. And I heard this piece of a Bob Marley song. <laughs> every, every little thing is going to be all right. Not the best. <laughs> and I went, oh, well, that's very straightforward, you know, and it was very reassuring. And I got to say, the message has continued to stay with me in that I, that song will pop into my head if I, I even sort of graze <laughs> that worry, that well of worry. Um, and that was, uh, there were some other messages too, but that was one of the strongest ones. And then, and there's one more piece to this. I go into my computer, my Apple computer, that I'm so proud of. I love Mac. I love <laughs> Apple computers. Um, I'm going to convert the world one computer at a time. I think it's a wise choice. I'd have to agree. <laughs> so um, I come in, I go, okay, let me look up that song on iTunes. You know, every little thing is going to be all right. I look it up, and I've got about 10 Bar- Marley songs on it. And I go, wow, none of our named that. So I wrote my daughter, Catherine, because she's a big Bob Marley fan. I said, where's this line from? And she wrote, it's back, Three Little Birds. Put the, Find the song, play the song. I went, perfect, Three Little Birds. Two day, uh, and the next day, I journey. I, uh, Raven takes me to non-ordinary reality, and I said, I want to go talk to Hawk Brother a little bit more. So he says, okay, he takes me to Hawk Brother. Raven sits on the fence over to my right. I'm talking to Hawk Brother, who's sitting on the limb of the tree, and we're having this communication going on, and I look up, and he points, well, they can't really point, but he kind of directs my attention, if you will, to the sky, and there's his mate circling around. And I go, oh, that's cool, you know, because that's, that's who you were calling to the other day when I saw the, the physical hawk. And he says, yeah, that's what I was calling to. But he says, but I want you to notice something. Now, you got to know that in my world, in my journeys, I don't see the, their mouths moving and stuff. It's all telepathic. But he says, I want you to notice something. Look over there to your right. I look over, there's Raven. He goes, okay, now look here. I agree, there's hawk. And look up in the sky. There's, and he goes, look, notice, three little birds. I oh, wow. It's <laughs> 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 just such a great uh, message. You know, it was a reminder, you know, hang Yes. You know, and, and I got to say, I, I feel so cared for and protected by yes. these beings. Whenever, a very loving universe. Yeah, and, the, and, you know, and also sometimes we need to protect ourselves, you know, shields or whatever. But there's also, um, you can call on these animal spirit guides for specific tasks. Like, for instance, I call on wolf spirit whenever I feel like I need to just have that protection. Uh, whenever I do a workshop, I always ask Wolf to sort of circle the wagons, you know, to to uh, you know be on patrol, if you will, uh, and he will do that very willingly. I might call on if I'm really working on a project. I could call on Hawk Brother. Notice I don't say A Hawk too. H capital H Hawk Brother. Yes. And I'm working on a project, and I need to stay focused on that project. Well, Hawk will help me do that. Hawk Spirit. Um. If I need to, uh, uh, I always call on snake for healing. There's a whole section in Earth Magic on DNA and, and cosmic serpent and, and uh, its relationship, uh, DNA and its relationship to shamanism this, uh, that, I, that I borrowed some ideas from a couple different sources and give them credit, certainly, of, of that connection between um, 
shamanism and DNA. Fascinating, fascinating stuff, and I think it uh, helps us with our own healing practice. So I want people to understand that shamanism is about a cure, and one of the elements that you um, incorporate in earth magic is finding the spiritual cause of an illness. And I think that so many of us come upon that in our lives, whether it's with ourselves, our loved ones, or even our pets. So I was wondering if you could briefly overview the three causes of illness and then how the shamanism uh, approach or the shamanistic approach would address that. Uh, yeah, uh, the, the, the shamanic paradigm, um, and again, a lot of this is universal, meaning that yeah, we see it across cultures. It's not just uh, this type. It's not just Native American. A lot of people associate it with that. But there's three ca- three spiritual causes, and I, I want to stress that word: spiritual causes of illness. Um, the first is power, the loss of power. And all of us have perhaps experienced that for, at one time or another, where we feel dejected, depressed, kind of morose, like we just can't. And we can't just just can't. Yes, sometimes we call it, you know, in our culture, depression. Um, and it might literally be a, a psychological depression too, but there's some underpinnings of the spiritual. And so what we want to do, the cure for that, and uh, thank you for using that word, because in shamanism we're really after the cure, not just healing. Healing always takes place, as long as our hearts are open and our awareness is on. But we want to cure it. So how do we cure it? We go and find a power animal for that individual. Stall that power animal or the individual calls the power animal to himself or herself. That's one. One is the loss of power, and that's the cure. Second is what we could call soul loss. And that it isn't the entire soul. Um, depending on who you talk to, there's different models, if you will, for soul loss. But again, it's, it's universal. In the model that I work with, it's the soul is more like a hologram, where if you lose a little chunk of the film through which the laser is shooting, you still see the image, but it's a little fuzzier each time. Um, so there's a soul piece that may be lost through trauma or, um, gosh, you get into an addictive love relationship. You give a piece of your soul away. You know, go on, take another piece of my heart now, baby. In <laughs> <laughs> um, our job as uh, shamanic practitioners is then to go and find the soul piece that most needs to be returned at that time bring it back, and if you will, install it in the person. Now, these first two are things that, are, that, are, that, that, that someone could potentially, um, well, that, that, that something is lost and needs to be returned. The third cause or spiritual cause of illness is um, intrusions, spiritual intrusions. That means something's in you that doesn't belong. And you could call it a constellation of energy. You could call it a, a thought form. Uh, there's a number of, of ways that this can show up. It could, it's a parasitic energy. Typically, it will affect you um, different ways depending upon where that parasitic energy is. Uh, somebody uh, metaphorically stabs you in the back. Well, maybe it's more than just a, a metaphor. You know, maybe they've they've um, introduced an energy and out of their anger and their rage, they've they've thrown energy at you and it's stayed. The job or the cure of the shamanic practitioner then is to diagnose where and how this energy exists in someone and then remove it and dispose of it, typically through fire, water, or earth. Those are the three causes, soul, uh, power loss, soul loss, and psychic intrusions or also called spiritual intrusions. Very powerful. I thought that part of the book was very relevant and it really resonated with me. It also seemed to integrate with my own psychology background, so it, it seemed very grounded yet very spiritual. And it, again, it just resonated, so I thought that many others would benefit from that information as well. Yeah, thank you. No, it's, it's, it's a different way to look at things. And if we think, you know, and treating someone shamanically doesn't mean they, they, they may still go to a, uh, a naturopath or they may go to a medical doctor, more um, a temporary medical doctor. You know, it doesn't eliminate uh, other practitioners, but it, what it does do is to get at the source, what I consider at least the spiritual source of the illness, and then offer uh, a way to heal that, and, and then watch and observe how it manifests in other ways. Yes, 
We are speaking with Dr. Stephen Farmer, author of Earth Magic, Ancient Shamanic Wisdom for Healing Yourself, Others, and the Planet. You can find him on the web at www.poweranimals.com or, of course, as we mentioned, www.hayhouseradio.com. We'd also like to let you know you can meet up with Stephen in some upcoming events uh, Friday, February 27th at Awakenings in Laguna Hills. There's a lecture and book signing. Also, Saturday, February 28th, there's a workshop at Awakenings from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. based upon earth magic and healing your fragmented soul. Friday through Sunday, March 13th through 15th, there will be a workshop in Sedona, Arizona based upon earth magic. Also coming up Friday, March 27th, and Saturday, March 28th, he'll be in Seattle, Washington at East West Bookshop based upon Earth Magic, so some more good information up in at the Northwest. Also, uh, Thursday, April 23rd, he'll be in New York offering a lecture and book signing at the East West Bookstore. And Friday, April 24th from 7 to 8.30 p.m. at the Open Center in New York, New York, offering a lecture and book signing again on uh, Earth Magic. Saturday and Sunday, April 25th through 26th, there will also be a workshop at the Open Center again in New York, integrating the several techniques uh, based upon Earth Magic. And Saturday and Sunday, June 27th and 28th, there will be a book signing in concert. You can find more information on these upcoming events on Stephen's website, www.poweranimals.com, under Schedule. Tune into the magic to experience greater love, gratitude, miracles, and greater balance, which is essential for a most desirable experience on Earth, both around and within each of us. When each of us makes a decision to realign with our universal higher self, we can begin to restore the balance in our multifaceted lives, the earth around us, and can begin to heal from the very core of our spiritual being. Each human being has the innate ability to cure oneself, others, and the very earth that we reside upon. Remember, you are a uniquely divine expression of the ultimate creator. Begin to shine your light today and make it bright. Next week on February 19th, Karen Anderson, expert animal communicator, will offer her compassionate insight based upon her unique ability to communicate with animals and their souls while fostering spirit messages and healing that led to the creation of her book release, Hear All Creatures, The Journey of an Animal Communicator. On February 26th, Dr. Eric Pearl. On March 5th, Stephen Lewis. On March 12th, we'll have Barbara Marks Hubbard. On March 19th, Neil Donna Walsh will be back. And March 26th, we'll have Carol Obley. And on April 9th, we'll have Dr. Amit Goswami. On April 16th, we'll have Janine Kimmel and Amber Hinton with us. And on April 23rd, Dr. Teresa Martin and Dr. Christine Madar from the School of Metaphysics. Coming up on April 30th, we'll have Lee Gertz with his exciting release, Limitless You, from Namaste Publishing. And on May 7th, Patricia Bish. Coming up on May 14th, we'll have Ruth Probst. On June 4th, we'll have Barbara Hang Cloudback. On June 25th, Matt Zoe. And in this fall, we'll have Peggy McCall lined up with her latest book release, The One Thing. You can purchase all of the author's books featured on Evolution Revolution at www.amazon.com or link up to their individual websites through the Evolution Revolution homepage at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. Please join me in the upcoming weeks on the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution for some exciting guests and uplifting inspiration. Additionally, please explore the Evolution Revolution archive shows with inspirational authors that can be found on the Evolution Revolution homepage, the Radio Archives page, and also in the iTunes store for free by searching Evolution Revolution Podcast. The archive shows are available 24 hours a day and include amazing talent such as Arielle Ford, Peggy McCall, Robert Friedman, Barbara Marks Hubbard, Dr. Amiko Swami, Gary Zukoff, Neil Donald Walsh, Charles Virtue, David Robert Orr, and more. Please share Evolution Revolution with others who may desire to join us in the future for an enlightening experience. I am a metaphysical teacher, healer, and spiritual counselor who offers clairvoyant readings and teleclasses 
allowing me to connect with people anywhere. Please visit my website at www.dulcineasdivinevision.com under the Services and Events page, which includes client testimonials and a wealth of information. A divine and spiritually enlightening experience awaits you. Also, please explore my blog at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.blogspot.com for weekly postings and guest announcements for Evolution Revolution. Co-create with Evolution Revolution. We are seeking partners to help Evolution Revolution evolve and expand to even more people across the globe. If you are interested in partnering and supporting the rapid development of Evolution Revolution, please explore the Evolution Revolution tab at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. I look forward to hearing from you about the infinite possibilities to co-create in the highest light and with the grandest intention. Thank you for joining Evolution Revolution this evening with my honored guest, Dr. Stephen Farmer. Thank you, Stephen, so kindly for your time and expertise this evening. I appreciate it. Thanks, Dulcinea. Thanks for having me, and uh, God bless everybody who's listening. Yes, we hope to have you back in the future as your work evolves. You got it. Great. Much gratitude to you for listening and supporting the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution Radio. I wish you all abundant peace, joy, miracles, and love today and always. Abundant angel blessings. Good night.